Hello and welcome back to Young Nostalgia, the podcast that takes a trip down memory lane from two guys that never lived it. I'm Nolan and beside me is Ben and thank you guys all for joining us as we talk about our passion for the past while always remaining young at heart. So uh, kicking off December, we did This Month in History last week and to continue with that theme, we uh, well actually our theme of supporting a good fellow listener who's been with us through the beginning. Uh, for all your Christmas and holiday gifts coming up, check out Cozy Knits by Real Big Stitch. That's Cozy Knits by Real Big Stitch. She spells it R-E-E-L, Real Big Stitch. Um, she. Uh, this is Emily, longtime listener of Young Nostalgia. She kicked off her Etsy shop a few years ago in 2014 and has expanded her product line to include patterns of beanies, scarves, reusable coffee sleeves, and even pet accessories, all in your choice of colors of yarn. So Emily knits this all handcrafted with love, and um, she is offering an amazing time um, for you guys to check her out and be listening to Young Nostalgia. So Throughout December, up through December 31st, 2017, use coupon code YOUNGNOSTALGIA, all uppercase, no spaces. That's YOUNGNOSTALGIA, all uppercases, no spaces during checkout to receive 10% off your order of gifts for yourself or your family. And again, this is handmade, stitched items by Cozy Knits by Real Big Stitch. That's R-E-E-L, Real Big Stitch. And uh, I know we've been talking about her a lot and um, she does really good work she made me a beanie um, last christmas and i absolutely love it i've been wearing it to work got tons of compliments she does everything <laughs> under the sun from harry potter um, themed goodies or uh, star wars that you know both ben and i are big fans of and uh, actually ben's mom just texted me the other day wanting oh, wanting the coupon code <laughs> Well, I told her she, I told her she had to listen to the show for it because it's you know it's only for our listeners, and Nolan just went ahead and gave it to her. <laughs> what? Come on, man! We're supporting <laughs> each other. Anyway, check out Real Big Stitch on Etsy again. Coupon code Young Nostalgia, all uppercase, no spaces. Without further ado, episode twenty-two coming your way. Um, we're gonna. Uh, you know, get the tail end of the conspiracies that we talked about a couple episodes back. Um, today, we're going to be talking about the Flat Earth Society. Paul McCartney is actually dead, which, um, <laughs> you know, he's just a ghost performing awesome music. And then Stevie Wonder actually isn't blind. Those sunglasses are just a facade. <laughs> anyway, without further ado, Ben, how you doing today, man? Oh, it's been a fantastic day. How are you, Nolan? <laughs> Killing it, man. <laughs> Feeling pretty good. Um, went to a couple record stores and uh, got some good finds. Um, which, you know what? I also thought about this. It would be cool to do segments where uh, we go to record stores and then we talk about what we picked up or like what we're listening to that day. That's That's a fantastic idea. Oh, man. But then we have to spend money that we don't have. Yeah, that's a problem. Well, you know, we could we could talk about what we went and what we liked. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's we could just window I shop. I didn't actually <laughs> buy it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, uh, kick us off with flat earth. <laughs> All right. And just kind of a background to this, if you don't know about any of the flat earth conspiracy stuff that goes on, it's really just about there's there's a lot of people out there who don't actually think the earth is round and that we actually and it's you know the our government and NASA and any other agency like that is lying to us that the earth is in fact flat um <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness okay 
well, kind of the historical side of this, it really got its start with a um, hypothesis that was developed by an English writer named Samuel uh, Robotham. Um, he lived from 1816 and he died in 1884. Um, and this was really kind of, he, he kind of theorized about this a lot and then eventually um, designed an experiment called the Bedford Level Experiment, which basically used long straight channels of water um, as a way to measure the curvature of the earth or in his case the lack thereof um, <laughs> and what it did is you can't it's hard to measure land because there's different topography of the land you know there's hills uh, valleys all that stuff well water is always going to find the lowest level and it's if it's perfectly still water it's going to be the exact curvature of the earth and so he he came up with this experiment and this was really his basis of his argument um, that kind of later got he he, he later reached a uh, a point where he put out pamphlets he started organizations that w this was uh, centered around um, and his pamphlets were called uh, Zedetic Astronomy and then he later went on to uh, be the founder of the Zedetic Society society, excuse me. Um, and then he actually uh, wrote a book as well um, entitled Earth, Not a Globe, um, and where he proposed that the Earth was a flat disk centered at the North Pole and bounded along its southern edge by a wall of ice, which we would know as Antarctica. And, um, and that's just, that's the ending of the world as we know it. Right. right. Yeah. And it's not, you know, it doesn't loop back on itself. It's not a sphere where you can go all the way around. It's just a disc. And once you hit the edge, you hit the edge. Oh, um. And, <laughs> um, you know, kind of going more along the lines of what's physically going on. Um, he proposed that the sun and the moon um, were 3000 miles away from the earth and that the cosmos or just space was only a hundred miles past that or 3,100 miles above the earth, which, <laughs> and all, you know, this, they're all in the same plane because earth is of course flat. You know, it's not wrapped around the earth. It is. You, you just, just go, you go up or you go down. There's no. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a very two dimensional kind of um, <laughs> theory. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Um, <laughs> and he <laughs> kind of uh, after that, after the book, he also there were other leaflets that he kind of put out as a way of just kind of spreading the message. You know, I guess you know anyone, any organization, they pass out pamphlets and leaflets, that sort of thing. Um, and this one was called "The Inconsistency of Modern Astronomy and Its Opposition to the Scriptures," where he talked basically about how the Bible, hidden in the Bible, were clues that the earth was flat. Um, he said, uh, quote, Bible, the Bible, along, alongside our senses, supported the idea that the earth was flat and, and immovable, and this essential truth should not be set aside for a system based solely on human conjecture. Well, the biggest thing was, was you just had flat maps. So there wasn't any... <laughs> You, there wasn't any like physical things that would make people want to think that the Earth isn't flat because, mm -hmm. you know, creating a map of what people understand of of where they were, 
It's just like it's going to be flat. So, right. And you know, at at this time in in history, there wasn't a way for people to go up high enough to see the curvature of the Earth. Yeah. You know, if yeah. you just look out your back door, it looks pretty flat to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, there weren't the skyscrapers, and we obviously, you know, there wasn't air flight, and certainly not space travel to be yeah. able to look down and see the curvature on the horizon. And so, I mean, you know, around this time, I can easily see how, you know, looking at it through that lens of mid-1800s, how it would be fairly easy to kind of jump on this bandwagon. Definitely. Um, one of the ways he kind of, he kind of gathered a lot of followers with the people that he had leading his organizations. Um, he kind of surrounded himself by other scientists and, you know, people who had, quote, you know, authority, <laughs> you know, um, well, not necessarily authority, but authority in that field where they actually, you know, they could be a, tr- a trusted scientist or something like that. Um, and, you know, they they kind of, that was kind of the backbone of the organization that that way they could get people to, uh, to, to trust them and really kind of, you know, go along with them rather than just look like a single crazy guy, <laughs> you know, trying to, you know, overthrow what the common knowledge is. Yeah. Um, we, we see that even to this day when it comes to like the Scientology and things where, oh, yes. you know, prominent, prominent public figures line up with these ideologies and it, it, uh, it almost, it gives them, I don't know, more credibility. Yeah. Well, Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, like, not put looking... quotations around that as much as you'd like, but oh yes, yes, you know, I, I understand what you're saying, but it, it is credibility, but it's it's kind of like a false credibility. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good <laughs> way people, to explain. It. People assume that they can be trusted just because <laughs> of who they are. <laughs> um, actually, with with his death, um, his own uh, Zedetic society kind of kind of fizzled off a little bit. Um, but it, around that time, it really kind of sparked a, uh, a time where there was more, there, there was a lot more societies founded for this cause. Um, you know, up until then it was really just his, you know, single organization out there. And, you know, if you're a member of it, you were, if not, then you'd might've, you just go along with it. But, uh, (laughs) after his death is where it kind of started to take off a little bit with other societies kind of branching out. And of course, you know, there's alterations to the theory for the different societies. Kind of have their own view on details and that sort of thing. Yeah. All right. So, I guess we can jump forward to what uh, what happened in the mid twentieth uh, century, where it, mm-hmm. you know the kind of the basis of the modern flat Earth society comes from. And so. Created in 1956 by Samuel Shenton was the International Flat Earth Society. And so this is where it really kind of picked up steam and kind of developed more of its theories. And so, you know, like a funny little tidbit is that a satellite image was actually showed of Earth um, from NASA. And then Shenton remarked actually to kind of keep in line with his Flat Earth Society beliefs is that, quote, it's easy to see how a photograph like that could fool the untrained eye, end quote. But he never really gave much context to why it could fool an untrained eye. Yeah. Um, it's just like, it's more of just, you know, it's probably pretty grainy. It's um, not the best quality of satellite picture of the Earth. So, 
you could almost shape it as like the way the light was hitting it or something. It still looks flat, I guess, but people could see it as round. Um, yeah. And, you know, it seems like that comment is so, such a standard kind of comment for, uh, <laughs> for theorists like this, you know, you know, they might not at any given time, they might not have just like a, a rock solid, you know, platform to stand on, but you know, they just have like, well, obviously that that's not true. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, can you explain yourself? No, but <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so when, when Shenton passed away in 1971, Charles K. Johnson actually became the president of International Flat Earth Society. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the next three decades actually kind of was the golden age of the International um, Flat Earth Society under Johnson's rule. And so the Flat Earth Society actually grew to a reported 3,500 members. And so Johnson's beliefs really were based back on the Bible as um, Shenton kind of sh- steered away from the um, ethical beliefs of, of uh, the Flat Earth Society that came before him in, um, from, oh, dang it, what's his name? Robotham? <laughs> uh, Robotham, yeah, Robotham, yeah. yeah, excuse me. Um, anyway, so Johnson's beliefs resided more in the Bible, and he saw that scientists as pulling a hoax, which would replace religion with science. So he was more of like the scientists based on calling the earth curved is trying to undermine ethnic religion when it comes to the Bible. (laughs) Uh, So the flat earth, the flat earth society's most recent planet model actually um, is based on a humanity lives on a disc, kind of like what Ben was saying. Mm -hmm. Um, But instead of it being like a square, it's like, it's just a disc, like a CD almost. So with the North pole is directly in the middle and there's a 150-foot-high wall of ice around the edges, which is Antarctica. Um, and then the resulting map kind of resembles the symbol of the United Nations, with which Johnson actually used as evidence for his position. So because because the way the flat Earth views the views the Earth, and the United Nations adapted that symbol, so that's why the Earth is flat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but. That's a pretty loose correlation to make because it's the United Nations symbol. It's like, you know, a picture. It's basically a map of all the continents with a circle around it. Yeah. And it has, <laughs> it's like a symbol of peace. Uh, yeah. Or if that's or not even like excluding all of that, like that's just a common way of making a logo is you take something and then you put a circle around it. <laughs> put you pretty know? colors on it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, no, I, I totally I totally agree with you, but it gives them accreditation. Yeah, that's but, that's true. <laughs> so really the um you could take the relaunch if you'd like cuz okay. it kind of um, died off after Johnson a little it bit. It did. Um, and it's, it's kind of something that we're starting to see more of now. It's it's it whether it's picking up steam as as much as it looks like cuz you know it's hard to tell with you know celebrities the prominence of youtube and social media and that sort of thing it makes a lot of times it makes something look like it's really popular even though it's not <laughs> that popular as far as you know just regular people but um in 2004 daniel shen uh not related to samuel shen 
um, he really kind of resurrected the Flat Earth Society, and this time it was based around a web-based discussion forum. Um, <laughs> so, once again, you know, and anything you read on the internet is obviously true. The new Reddit feed. Yeah. <laughs> this eventually led uh, to the official relaunch of the society of the society, excuse me, in October 2009 um, and the creation of a new website featuring a public collection of flat earth literature and wiki. The, <sighs> okay. No, I'll just continue. The society okay, okay. began accepting new members for the first time since 2001. Um, and uh, the last kind of tally we have in july 2014 there were over 500 people from all around the world um to become members and and when i if i read this right there's like an actual application process to be approved and then get into the yeah. flat earth society all yeah, all I on their you website have to be you have to be offered membership i believe yeah <laughs> yeah Pretty much, I I feel like all you have to do is say I believe that the Earth is flat, and then they're like, "Sign me up." There you go. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> think of like a society like this, would you? They'd be like, "All right, you know, if if you're even questioning the Earth being round, all right, you're in." You know, just <laughs> yeah, like yeah, try to <laughs> get as many numbers as possible. <laughs> oh my gosh! So I mean, even even going back to like 2009, 2014, the new age of media has allowed the flat Earth society to grow tremendously and to almost oh, yeah. reach more people than they could ever think so between facebook twitter youtube as well as other platforms this allows people to kind of speak their mind and in, in part of what they believe the flat earth is so even in august 21st of this year where the big solar eclipse came through numerous youtube videos actually purporting to show how the details of the eclipse prove that the earth is flat now I haven't seen these because I just don't I'm not interested in watching them, but there are YouTube videos up there trying to prove it that the Earth is flat based on this. And then get this: All-Star NBA point guard Kyrie Irving expressed his belief that the Earth is flat on his on a podcast back in February of this year as well. Mm -hmm. And so again, like we talk about prominent people in society, it gives rise to you know people hearing about. Mm -hmm. things like the flat earth and exploring them more. Right. And you know, there's people all the time that are trying to either do it themselves, like to send rockets up or plane or something like that to prove that the earth is flat. And then there's, there's different, um, there, I, I gosh, I cannot remember his name. He is another, another NBA player that I believe he's trying to crowdfund a satellite to be launched. What? <laughs> Yeah, he's trying to crowdfund a satellite launch to prove that the Earth is flat. I think he's uh, using Kickstarter. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, you know, trying um, to gather up money to make this possible. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, okay. So the funny thing is, when you hear about stories like this, either one, they don't get funded, or when they try to do it, it gets shut down in a way that they could never prove it. Like. There hasn't been a, a flat Earth Society believer that has launched a rocket by themselves to prove that it is flat because I just want to know when it actually happens, when a flat Earth Society member actually launches it, and then they're proven wrong that the, that the Earth is actually not flat. Yeah, I really hope, as they're getting that information, I hope there's a camera on them <laughs> just to, to see the look of defeat in their face. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, Hopefully we don't have any, you know, flat Earth society 
listeners to the show because I think we were probably making them pretty angry. Yeah. That... <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's move on before digging in too deep. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> um, well, we should probably move on. Let's Let's go to our next conspiracy that we have, which is that Paul McCartney is actually dead and that he passed away um, in a car crash in 1966. Um, this is another, this is one that it's, it's really pretty big. You know, there's a lot of conspiracy theories that they just kind of pop up and, you know, they don't really go anywhere and there's only a handful of people who believe it. But this is one that's, I don't want to say popular, but it's definitely more, it's a, you see it around more, um, you know, for what it is. And, you know, it's still not one of the main conspiracies that you run into nearly every day. You know, you don't hear about it all the time. But um, if this isn't someone, this isn't one I was really aware of until uh, a year or two ago. Yeah. Oh, I mean, this kind of really sparked the big thing when it came to playing your records backwards for secret yes. messages. Yes. It really kind of spun that. And then obviously you have like the Stay Away to Heaven um, from Led Zeppelin and all that good stuff mm-hmm. too that the whole playing the record backwards give a whole new message to what the song actually was mm-hmm. um, so let's kind of jump in so Paul McCartney actually never wrote Maybe I'm Amazed um, he never formed the band Rings and he never clashed with um, Yoko Ono he became a vegetarian or fathered any of his children um, is pretty much what this conspiracy is saying so when Queen Elizabeth knighted him in 1997 she was actually knighting someone else that appeared to be Paul McCartney. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a pretty big secret to uh, to keep. I mean, like we said, when it came to you know JFK's assassination, there's a lot of people that has to be on board on this kind of thing. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. I mean, it's any of these conspiracy theories. You have to have 100 percent cooperation by everyone involved and that's just that's nearly impossible oh definitely especially with somebody so high profile like paul mccartney oh my gosh yes so like you were (laughs) saying uh mccartney mccartney secretly died in 1966 um due to a car crash and so theorists um part of like beetle maniacs uh, who can who can spearize about this is that they claim the beatles covered up his death and they actually hired someone who looked like him saying like him and had the same jovial personality as Paul McCartney. So as well as according to the theorists, the other band members began adding, began adding clues to Paul's death into the music and other media. So a little bit of a laundry list. We have in the song Taxman, George Harrison gave his advice for those who die, meaning Paul. The entire Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band album was um, awash with Paul is Dead Clues. The Beatles had formed a new band featuring a fictional member named Billy Shears, supposedly the name of Paul's replacement. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Uh, The album contained John Lennon's A Day in the Life, which had the lyrics, He blew his mind out in a car, and the recorded phrase, Paul is dead, miss him, miss him, which becomes uh, evident only when the song is played backwards. And then last but not least, (laughs) Lennon also mumbled... A uh, mumbled "I buried Paul" at the end of "Strawberry Fields Forever." Um, also, as well as interviews, Lennon said the phrase was actually cranberry sauce and denied the existence of any backward messages. <laughs> of course, he would. Um, 
I know. <laughs> you know that, that I, 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 you know, honestly, I can't say I've I've heard the backwards messages of these particular ones. Um, but I've heard other things, you know, played backwards that you know supposedly supposed to say something. It just sounds like a garbled mess. You know, yeah. I don't. You'd have to be, you'd have to be stretching pretty far to make words out of backwards messages. You know. Well, when you think about it, they're all probably like high on drugs, and they're like they put the record in backwards, true. and then they they think they hear something, and it's actually not what it actually is. But I mean, if you if you think about it, now let's say if a conspiracy came up like this throughout the '60s, that um, you know you and I were part of a band, you die or something like that, um, mm-hmm. and then some people like had these conspiracies. I mean, if I feel like we wanted to just mess with people and get them really thinking, would you go along with the conspiracy and kind of throw in these clues being like. And, you know, I've heard that about the Paul McCartney conspiracies, that it was done to. In order to kind of get the name out there, it was done for publicity. And, you know, that's also kind of another offshoot of the conspiracy, like. You know, is it real or is it just kind of a hoax to get people to, to you know, kind of go along with it and kind of hype the band a little bit? You know, you never really, you know, you never know. Yeah. But, um, and that's kind of uh, that's kind of one of like the little offshoots of the conspiracy is that you know maybe he wasn't necessarily dead, but they just started the band actually decided to start doing this just as a way of publicizing. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and then surprise, Paul McCartney is actually alive. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> All right, so you know, if we kind of that was kind of the uh, the media aspect of the clues, but there's also some clues supposedly that were hidden in the album covers. Um, the original cover of 1966's Yesterday and Today album uh, featured the Beatles posed among raw meat and dismembered doll parts, which was supposed which was supposedly symbolizing McCartney's gruesome accident. Um, <laughs> if uh you know in addition to that uh if fans place a mirror in front of sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band album cover um there are words supposedly on the drum logo <laughs> um that that read one he died and one um and this kind of goes along with the uh the outdoor flowery setting of the album cover which is uh, supposed to represent Paul's funeral. You know, I mean, if if you've ever seen the album, it's got kind of basically a mound of dirt that everyone's standing in front of with flowers and stuff on top of it, and it really does kind of look like a funeral. Um, and that's kind of what it's supposed to represent. Um, and the last one we have is the cover of Abbey Road, where John, George, um, uh, and Ringo... Uh, they forewent all pretense and pretended to cross the street as a funeral procession. John wore all white, like a clergyman. Ringo, the mourner, dressed in all black. Uh, George was wearing jeans, like a gravedigger. Um, and Paul wore no shoes. And this is supposedly because he didn't need them because he was dead. Um, while he was also walking out of step with the others. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I mean, uh, I mean, uh, 
dang it, I don't even know what to say. Because it's like sometimes you read this and it's like, you know what, that makes sense. And like we talked about, it could be them just playing into the whole thing. But sometimes it's just like maybe Paul forgot shoes that day or maybe he Mm -hmm. just didn't want to wear them. I mean, you know, style was – it was just something different back then. And and the way of like the free thinking of what I feel like the Beatles would be, you know, some people just screw shoes. Like we don't need them. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, stuff like that, it's – looking at something like that, it's really super easy to look at it and come up with an alternate theory of why they did this. You know, you could look at something that has absolutely zero meaning behind it. And, you know, you could look at it and it might, it might say something different to you, you know, I, be, yeah. I yeah. and, and I feel like that's what a lot of this stuff really is. Yeah, I, you I know? agree. I mean, it's, it's just like when you, when we're in high school or whatever, and you're reading a book and then the English teacher is like, now, why were the curtains red? Uh, they it's symbolized, you know, the teacher's going to say, well, it symbolizes the intense anger in the heart of the author, you know. You, no, you, well, did you, a, the, you did a really <laughs> good job describing that. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and then you probably ask the author and they're like, I don't know, they're red. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why, was the, why did the rug have a crease in it? It was because they're missing a part of their past that they wish they could get rid of. Or come back or figure out. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I, I had classes like that too where they try to make you look way into things that don't matter in the slightest. <laughs> oh my gosh. <clears throat> All right, so wrapping this conspiracy up. Uh, later in life, <laughs> later in life, his imposter met and married Linda Eastman, with whom he had four children. He released a live album back in 1993 called Paul is Live, Likely Story, right? And produced more than 20 solo albums um, following that. And that's not even counting the ones released by The Wings before losing um, losing her to breast cancer back in 1998. <coughs> His imposter's wife. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, Oh, my God. But, you know, if there's going to be an imposter, you'd think if they're going to take Paul and replace him with somebody else, you'd think that they would kind of keep that somebody else away from the limelight. Yeah. Wouldn't that make well, sense? I would, I would think that like once the Beatles broke up in 1970, it would be like, okay, I feel like as the just, imposter, I would not want to continue pretending to be Paul McCartney. Yeah, you would just kind of fade away and go away. You'd think. But, yeah, well, you know, yeah. you never know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy alright so we're going to round out the show with uh, Stevie Wonder isn't actually blind it's the truth um, well <laughs> probably according not according well, to some w- people it's w- the truth according, according to some people so Stevie Wonder was born on May 13th 1950 in Saginaw Michigan and uh, he was rendered blind shortly after his birth and to give a little bit more context he was born actually six weeks early which along with the oxygen rich atmosphere and the hospital incubator as as well um, of, of being born premature it resulted in retinopathy of prematurity which is actually a condition that hinders the growth of the eyes um, and the retinas detached while in the middle of like growing um so this is what rendered him blind for the rest of his life (laughs) 
Sorry, you know, well, I guess I, I mean, should have told you. I'm to laughing at. No, 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 no. I was just kind of. <laughs> I was just kind of looking at it like. I wasn't laughing at that. Like I, you know, that's not funny. But I'm laughing kind of at the people who, you know, think that he actually isn't blind. Well, I mean, this is like a a real medical condition that really happens. Yeah. And you know, you don't just recover from it. You know. <laughs> I know, like, I know. I mean, there's probably documentations of hospitals and all that stuff that can oh, attest to yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Like, you know, how does this something that you really conspiracize? I, I don't. <laughs> conspiracize is that a word? Is I don't know if that's a word. It it sounded good in my mind, but it sounded terrible when I said it. Um, <laughs> I'll I'll run with it. it sounds good to me. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so um, since his allegedly um, been blind throughout the rest of his life, the important development steps of growth. Um, also, you know, since he's blind, he wouldn't be able to remember what colors or, um, you know, what things look like. And so this is important to the conspiracy because later on down the road, you know, it kind of plays into the part of, of, of what all happened. So the groundwork is that Stevie Wonder was actually a vivacious, uh, little boy. So he would often play pranks on adults, um, like by himself, you know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be in with anybody else. He would just do it to mm-hmm. do, to do, to do pranks on other people. So it's hard to believe that, you know, this isn't the genius, um, the genesis of Stevie wonder pretend blind person. So from a very young age, he could just like, I want to be blind and make people believe it. Right. But you know, that's also, it's also kind of a vague, um, point to, you know, for the conspiracy, conspiracists, conspirators, conspirators, there you go. Um, that it doesn't really describe what he was, you know, pulling pranks on. You know, it doesn't really. It doesn't just describe the nature of the pranks. You know, if it could be something that's totally easy for a blind person to do, or you know, it could be something that it would be impossible for a blind person to do, which would prove that he wasn't blind. But you know, it doesn't. You know, no one really talks about that. They just talk about. Yeah, what I think. What well, I. What I think would be so interesting to to look at, even it would be, um, you know, I, I feel like if just like one minute you pretend to be blind, like one day you're fine, one minute you you pretend to be blind. How much practice do you have to go through? Like on a regular day to day thing, it's like I know what this coat looks like, and then you just oh, like yeah. turn it off all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, and you know you'd have to keep yourself from slipping up. You know, if you're with someone, you'd be like you talked about your coat. Like, hey, can you hand me my plaid coat? My plaid coat over there. And they're like, wait, how'd you know that was plaid? <laughs> you know, it's something normal that you would say is like, hey, hand me that red thing. Yeah. Like, well, how'd you know it was red? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that would be. It would be tough to make it through life and not slip up. Exactly. Know? Exactly. Well, this is kind of where this conspiracy comes from because people claim to have caught him slipping up, um, and so from our source, they actually pulled this from oh, a blog. Um, true. He, uh, they watched an interview between Boy George and Stevie Wonder, um, and they kind of render like a reckon that Stevie Wonder isn't completely blind because Stevie Wonder once came over and playfully strangled Boy George at a party once. Um, Boy George actually stated, now how could Stevie Wonder be blind and know where I was at and be like, be able to come over and playfully strangle me at a party? Yeah, that is that is true. So yeah, I mean, there are there are there are a couple points to that, that do make a little bit of sense, but uh, 
But there's also not much context in the form of, you know, they could have met earlier on the party or Stevie Wonder could have, like, the party could not have been very big. Like, he could hear Yeah, you that's true. That's true. A lot, of the, a lot of the major points are very anecdotal and just not very descriptive in the fact that, like, it doesn't really say what is going on and how it happened. It's just kind of like, this happened... This proves that he's not blind. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. I'm sure there's a ton more details that go into this. <laughs> yeah. um, and then, you know, there's also the stuff about uh, questions about Stevie Wonder's support of stopping drunk driving. I don't, I don't really know how that's a point, you know, either way for the argument. I mean, you could be blind and deaf with, you know, eight fingers and no eyeballs, and <laughs> you still would probably support, like, not drunk driving, right? Yeah, that's true. I, th- I think people are just trying to stretch the truth a little bit, being like, <laughs> now why is Stevie Wonder promoting no drunk driving when he probably doesn't drive? Yeah, like, I, d- I don't really understand that. Like, <laughs> he still rides in cars. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He doesn't, he doesn't want to, like... <laughs> Like that's a ridiculous argument. Like <laughs> <laughs> I don't oh. understand that one. <laughs> well, okay, so check this out. So in 2010, Stevie Wonder and Paul McCartney, who was dead, so it was actually his imposter, performed oh, that's true. at the White House. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> so Stevie Wonder and the fake Paul McCartney performed in the White House East Room in 2010. Um, clumsily, Paul McCartney uh, knocked over a microphone while he was leaving, which Stevie Wonder reactively caught before it felt uh fell to the ground you know i have seen that video as i'm sure you have as well that one is actually pretty impressive uh i you know he walks right by and and he knocks it over and it's not like he kind of like doesn't turn around and say oops or anything like that (laughs) stevie wonder just kind of reaches out a hand and grabs right onto it as it's falling, you know? Yeah. And it's I mean, not like he just kind of throws out an arm and clumsily kind of snags it and then eventually gets it stood back up. He just, like, straight reaches out and grabs it, <laughs> which is... Steve, Stevie Wonder, like, misses it and just ends up toppling over because he didn't know. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what you would assume would happen, but not at all. That's not at all yeah. what did happen. And so that's... I mean, that one's... Yeah. I mean, you know, I still think ha- he's... I still weird, think weird, he's blind, but it's an interesting <laughs> one. Weird things do happen. You know, people just, the way our electricity in our body and just like the way we react is just so bizarre. But, mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? He could have heard Paul McCartney hit it, could have mm-hmm. known where it was or something and grabbed it. Who knows? But I, I would agree with you on the fact that this one makes it the most questionable. Yeah, because it is, I mean, it's it's a definite video fairly clear video evidence of it too you know it's not just someone recounting a story Um, yeah you know like i said i still think he's totally blind but that one is (laughs) eh, that one's a little weird (laughs) yeah it is is a little weird Uh, all right go ahead and take the next one okay um you know another thing it's a little bit weird is you know it's not super weird but it just kind (laughs) of makes you think a little bit um, is that Stevie Wonder, he goes to a lot of basketball games, um, which in itself is, okay, why, you know, a blind person at a basketball game? Okay, whatever. Um, but he also gets, almost always has 
courtside seats. Um, and in addition to that, he also does a lot of cheering and really does a good job of following <laughs> the action up and down the court. It, I mean, come on. You, you have announcers. You have the oh, noise. Yes. I mean, it's like... You know what's going on. You can hear the majority of the footsteps <laughs> where they're at, the ball bouncing. Like, you know, I mean... It doesn't matter if you're blind. You, anyone that has decent hearing is going to be able to pick out roughly where the ball is in relation to them. And someone <laughs> who's been blind their entire life is going to be able to pinpoint that. You yep. know? Yeah, I mean, if he can pinpoint a microphone falling, he can pinpoint where basketball players are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, the whole thing about the courtside, if, you, if you're going to a basketball game and you're someone like Stevie Wonder, A, if you can afford courtside, why would you not sit courtside? Yeah, yeah. And B, like, that's where his friends are going to be wanting to sit, too. So why would he not go with them? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, that it's one's like, kind of. It's like, it's kind of, guys, fun. I'm blind. I'm blind. I have to sit up in the nosebleeds. Yeah. No, I'll, like, you guys have fun. I'm going to go to the nosebleeds. That <laughs> oh doesn't, doesn't work that way. <laughs> no, it does. It just does it. Um, last thing to round everything out. So Stevie Wonder actually stated once in an interview that he wanted to be a TMZ cameraman once to be a part of the paparazzi. And, um, there was actually a photo taken of Stevie Wonder taking a picture of Michael Jackson. Now, if you look this photo up, it's really funny because Stevie Wonder is like almost aiming at the ground. Um, no, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so I'm like, sure what he did, he just grabbed a camera and was like, hey, which direction is Michael Jackson? And they like he, pointed him in that direction. And, yeah. You know. I don't think there's much evidence here that really would cause people to believe because, I mean, he's facing like down at michael jackson's groin with this camera like i don't i don't think right i don't think it gave anything away and and, and you know this one is pretty easy to just tell that he was joking in general yeah yeah you definitely. know like you, plus i mean who wants to be a tmz cameraman <laughs> like, no one wants that job <laughs> but <laughs> but you know just knowing his personality and i mean i've heard that before too is he really does like enjoy pranking people but you know that also having that aspect of his personality kind of counteracts a lot of these you know not blind arguments because he does mess around so much that it's you know it's hard to tell when he's serious like that or not you know exactly um, exactly it's <laughs> oh man well <clears throat> yeah jeez. Uh, well yeah, I, it's pretty I easy to was... tell that we're not conspiracy guys we just like talking about it <laughs> <laughs> exactly especially just because you know these things have been going on for a long time and people are always on the bandwagon when it comes to certain conspiracies and and all that stuff and it's interesting to raise questions and kind of wonder about it oh it is it, it's funny to talk about it. especially you know when we talk about ones that are kind of you know light-hearted and and just you you can have a good time talking about them like this one it's obviously ridiculous but you know we're still talking about it because it's fun <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, that's a wrap of another great episode of Young Nostalgia. Thanks again for joining us this week as we continue our journey through retro pop culture and kind of round out our conspiracy episode from a couple weeks back. And uh, again, throughout December, up through December 31st, check out our loyal listener um, and longtime friend Emily with her Etsy shop, Cozy Knits by Real Big Stitch. That's Real Big Stitch, R E E L. 
real big stitch on Etsy. Um, she does scarves, beanies, coffee sleeves, pet accessories. Um, you know, she also sells patterns. So if you like to knit yourself, check it out, and you can buy some patterns um, for a very good price. And for all Young Nostalgia listeners, use coupon code Young Nostalgia, no spaces, all uppercase. That's Young Nostalgia, no spaces, all uppercase, and you'll get 10% off at checkout with your order from Cozy Knits. Check it out. You'll see in our show description um, the website for her shop, and uh, feel free to follow it. And as always, if you enjoy the show, please leave a kind review on iTunes, um, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Let us know how we're doing. Um, you know, good feedback gets us higher on the charts for more people to do, uh, discover the show and uh, you know, kind of spread the love of uh, what, what we like bringing you guys. So if you got a future topic or want to be a guest with Ben and I, give us a personal email at youngnostalgia2017 at gmail.com. And uh, I think that's pretty much it. Anything else, big guy? Nope. That was I, I think we hit it all. That was a really fun show. <laughs> I loved it, man. As we always <laughs> say here on Young Nostalgia. Keep the bottles empty and the ashtrays full. Take care, everybody.